Paranorm podcast contains content that might not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Paranorm Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Paranorm, the podcast where we chat all things true crime and paranormal. I'm Emily. I'm Sierra. And this week we are talking some paranormal shit. Oh. Yeah. All right, then. I'm in a mood. Okay. As you know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You've only spent the entire day with me so far. Um, So I feel like that pretty much leads into how are we, Sierra? Well... Um, I mean, I did just read my horoscope just now, and it was pretty <laughs> fucking spot on, if I do say so, for mm-hmm. what's happening at the moment. Do yeah. you think so? Yeah. Okay. I would say so. Yeah. Um, which is scary. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but here we are. Um, so apparently I need to uh, not overanalyze things and um, self-sabotage, and I feel like everybody already knows that that is literally my whole thing. Like, like those are like your top two. Those are like my top two things. <laughs> How does Emily self-destruct? <laughs> Overanalyze and self-sabotaging. Super great. My mental health is really great right now, guys. I just took two of my anti-anxiety pills because of like, I'm on 10 right now. Mm-hmm. Sierra and I are both playing hooky. I feel like Sierra's playing hooky mostly to just make sure that I don't set the house on fire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had a spectacularly bad day at work yesterday. Like, I cried on my lunch break. It was so bad. Um, So, yeah, that's how I am. Um, Sounds great. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm supposed (laughs) to go away for the weekend, and um, it's on a... It's it's a roller coaster. It's been a roller coaster already. It has been a roller coaster already, and it's only Friday, and I haven't even left yet. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, uh, it's going to be just me and my partner this weekend, Mm -hmm. and... um, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. We sure will. Uh-huh, we sure will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, in other news, Sierra went to Duncan, and mm-hmm. anybody that has ever listened to a single episode of this podcast knows my extreme love for Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, Shonda is my homegirl. I love her so much. She's a manager at one of the Duncans near us. Yep. <laughs> and I'm obsessed. <laughs> um, she invited me to her wedding. <laughs> like, It's a problem, uh, but not really. So... Sierra went to Duncan yesterday because she was on the hunt for a donut, and um, they had no donuts, apparently. Like, it's literally, I guess it's not technically in the name anymore, but like, yeah, Duncan Donuts. Donuts. As my dad used to refer double Ds. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they were like, we're out of donuts, which it was 4 p.m. Duncan does not close till 8 p.m. There is no way they didn't have donuts. Like, I sent Shonda a text message, and I was like, make this make sense. And she goes, no, they just didn't want to make any more donuts. So they didn't have, they were out of the already made, but they had more donuts. Yeah, they just didn't want to make any more. So, um, I mean, suffice to say, Sierra was not pleased. I was even less pleased. (laughs) I I mean, I seriously, I texted Shonda, and I was like, ma'am. But this wasn't her location, so. Yeah, it was not. And she doesn't even go to that one. No, she doesn't. She no. travels to different ones, but not that one. Yeah. Because it's owned by a different franchisee. I mean, the lady who did the refund, which is not the original lady, was super nice, but like... 
What the fuck? I don't really care. Like, yeah, I want my fucking donuts, man. Like, but you found donuts this morning after the grocery store, and I had my strawberry sprinkle and my strawberry frosted with sprinkles, which is so good. Mm -hmm. Um, The sprinkles did not make my mouth tingle, which I'm really happy about. So something's happening with me and sugar. Um, I literally, I had a brownie with frosting on it. My entire mouth started tingling. And then I had a cupcake and my mm. entire mouth started tingling. And then I had, um, because I'm actually four years old, guys, <laughs> my favorite flavor of ice cream is birthday cake. Not the kind with the cake in it. Mm-hmm. That's gross. The kind with the icing. <laughs> <laughs> um, my mouth started tingling then too. But I had a donut with sprinkles on it just now and it didn't do anything. So I don't know. It's really weird. It, I, am, I cannot be allergic to sugar. Um, <laughs> no. Literally, I have the sweet tooth of a four-year-old, so... I feel like other things would have done that, too. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know why it's only those things. Yeah, me neither. But, anyway, Sierra quit her job. We said that last week. Mm -hmm. Um, Her last day is this coming Tuesday, Mm -hmm. so when the episode comes out, that's Sierra's last day of work. (laughs) Yay! Um, I hate my job right now. I just got moved to a different position, so it's a mm-hmm. little interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a mental health day. Let's mm-hmm. say that. <laughs> yeah, but and yeah, I'm, t- I'm still I'm still in the job hunting market, which I hear is really terrible. Oh like, my god, yeah, so even bad. More so than it was before. So yay! Yeah, we're doing great, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. We are doing great, though, Sierra. We have big news. We do? Yes. Oh. Is it green news? It's green news. <laughs> I bought a new car. Yeah. Well, new to me car. Um, <laughs> I got my dream car, which mm-hmm. is a Subaru Outback. Um, and, yeah, she's lovely. Her name is uh, Dolores. Uh, she's sage green. Mm-hmm. We put the stickers on her yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I am a huge bumper sticker person. Yeah. <laughs> you, I feel like you either are or you aren't. Yeah. Um, like you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, however, am. My other car <laughs> had about 10 bumper stickers. 10? Mm, somewhere around somewhere there. Somewhere around there. Um, this one's already <laughs> would have had. 15. It would have had more if you weren't saving them for your yeah, outback. Yeah. So. Like we would go places and I would get a bumper sticker and I'm like, this is for my new car. Yeah. Like... <laughs> um so yeah i bought a new car all by myself i went to the dealership i went through three different salespeople. Mm -hmm. one of them called me sweetheart so he had to go Mm -hmm. um but yeah i was really proud of it it's like my first purchase all by myself Mm because on my other car my mom had to co-sign oh okay so um because i bought that car when i was was five years ago 19 yeah yeah so um yeah, it had like no credit, but mm-hmm. now it's it's that's all mine. That's my <laughs> car, and it's so funny because Sierra and I were sitting in it, like going through everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What's this button do?" And she would push it. <laughs> um, but it's really cute. It's got leather seats. It's got heated seats, so we're prepared for Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm driving a spaceship half the time. I'm like, <laughs> like we walked up to it yesterday, and I realized that you don't actually have to press the unlock button if your like keys are in your hand mm-hmm. or like on your person. I'm guessing. Yeah. But yeah, no, I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it was it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But okay, I feel like that's everything I had to tell. Yeah. Do you have anything to add? 
No, no, no. I don't think so. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just I just talk for the both of us, I feel like. I mean, that's fine. That's the way it has been for almost four years. <laughs> <laughs> it's just started. This is just starting three. Like we No, it's not. Yeah, we just oh started god. in November. Oh my god. Okay. Well, December technically. Can you guys tell I hate commitment? Yeah. <laughs> Sierra has been dealing with this. You have ten months. To go until four years. So okay, all right. Anyway, so on this week's case, I mean, I only typed this in all caps. Oh. So we have a ghost ship to discuss. Okay. A ghost ship, Sierra. Huh. Yeah. All right then. Yes, yes, yes. And um, that little, and by little I mean huge ship's name was um, Mary Celeste. Oh. Have okay. you heard of it? I don't think so. Okay. I I feel like it was on, it was like referenced on an episode of X-Files. Because mm. they go on a ship, a yeah. ghost ship. I feel like it might have been mentioned. Um, so, we're going to start with some history about the ship. Okay. Okay. It's it's like a whole progress okay. of this ship. Okay. I, well, I said this last week. I'm a huge history nerd. Mm-hmm. You already know this. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so... The future Mary Celeste was, like, it wasn't named Mary Celeste at first, okay? okay? So, like, when it was created, it was created at a shipyard of Joshua Dewis in the village of Spencer's Island on the shores of Bay Fundy in Nova Scotia. Okay. So, Canada. Yes. Um, the ship was constructed of a local felled timber with two masts and was rigged as a brigantine. I have no idea what any of this shit uh-huh. means. Um, it has two of the big sail things. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, she was carvel built with the whole planking flush rather than overlapping. Also no idea what that means. So Literally straight copied this bitch, this part from the, Wikipedia. The boards like rest on top of each other as opposed to like... Overlapping? Yeah. Okay, cool. Look at Sierra and her ship not av- knowledge coming through. Uh, I could be totally wrong, but that's what I Oh, that's what you're picturing? Yeah. Okay. Um, she was launched on May 18th, 1861 and given the name Amazon. Okay. Um, and registered at the nearby Parsboro on June 10th in 1861. So her registration documents describe mm-hmm. her, and I love it's just like a her. Yeah. Like, are all ships women? I think so, actually. Okay, cool. Because except for like battleships, because there's the USS Eisenhower, which is the battleship right, my dad was but on. But like, I'm thinking like crafts, you know, like yeah, battleships are a little bit different because it's more like history. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm thinking like yachts and mm, like ships and like that kind of thing. That kind of thing are generally women. Her. Oh, uh, or yeah. female names female or referred either. to as the female pronouns. Right. At, at least as far as my experience. Okay. Um, described her as being 99.3 feet in length. Okay. I have no idea how long that is. Um, 25. <laughs> <laughs> Sierra knows. Sierra knows I don't have any idea how long any of this is. 25.5 feet broad with a depth of 11.7 feet and of 198.42 gross tonnage. I have no idea what the fuck that means. Uh, that's probably how much it weighs. Holy shit. That's, that's a, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Cause like a car weighs like one ton. Yeah. But it probably has walls on the inside, you know, like it has a lot of stuff on the inside. Yeah, too. yeah. 
Plus the mast is heavy with the cloth, you know, with the sails and everything. Mm-hmm. So she was owned by a total of like nine people when she was first created, the mm-hmm. Amazon. Okay, so that's like a partnership kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, nine people. That's a lot. That is a lot. Um, headed by Dewis. Okay. Um, and among the co-owners was Robert McLean, who was the ship's first captain. Okay. So, for her maiden voyage in June 1861, Amazon sailed to five islands to take on a cargo of timber for passage across the Atlantic to London. Okay. Um, after supervising the ship's loading, Captain McEllen fell ill, his, his condition worsened, and the Amazon returned to Spencer's Island where McEllen died on June 19th. Aww. And I read this on the interwebs, but apparently it's like really fucking bad luck if you're first captain on your first maiden voyage dies. Well, I mean... Like, your ship's apparently I mean, like, cursed. Well... Like, that's how, like... Like, how serious it how is. How serious it is. Like, you know how, like, sailors say, like, the moon and stuff, uh-huh. like, super... Like, certain moon phases yeah. you're not supposed to sail on, certain sky colors you're not supposed to sail mm-hmm. on, and stuff like that. Anyway, so that's... They, they are a very superstitious bunch. They are. Which is why I love them so much. <laughs> that and they curse very much. <laughs> Um, so anyway, the, let's see. Okay, this man's name. This poor man. Mm. John Nutting Parker. Oh, no. <laughs> took over as captain and resumed the voyage to London, in the course of which Amazon encountered further misadventures. She collided with fishing equipment in the Narrows off Eastport, Maine. After leaving London, ran into and sank a brig in the English Channel. Jeez. Uh, uh, yeah. Parker remained in command for two years, during which Amazon worked mainly in the West Indies trade. She crossed the Atlantic to France in November 1861, and Mirosel was the subject of a painting, possibly by Honoré de Pelgrin, a well-known maritime artist at the time. In 1863, Parker was succeeded by William Thompson, who remained in command until 1867. Hmm. So these were quiet years okay. for the Amazon. But like one of the one of the <laughs> crewmates was mm-hmm. like, nothing unusual happened in this time. <laughs> so in October 1867, at Cape Britain Island, Amazon was driven ashore in a storm and was so badly damaged that her owners abandoned her as a wreck. Oh wow. Yeah. On October 15th, she was acquired at the as like a derelict mm-hmm. uh, by Ac- Alexander McBean <laughs> of Glace Bay, Nova Scotia. Okay. So the new owners obviously gave her a new name mm-hmm. because you're not supposed to like once your ship wrecks. Mm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Within a month, McBean sold the wreck to a local businessman mm-hmm. who in November 1868 sold it to Richard W. Haynes, an American mariner, from New York. Haynes paid US dollars about seventeen hundred dollars, mm-hmm. which I forgot to do this. Let me let me Google. Inflation. My 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 favorite website. Okay, so one thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars in eighteen sixty-eight would cost approximately thirty-four thousand five hundred and twenty-five dollars in twenty twenty. Okay, I could see so that. So he bought that. He bought it for that much, and mm-hmm. then spent another eight thousand oh, dollars wow. restoring it, which it's like a hundred. Let me see. No, more than that. Which is a hundred and fifty-seven thousand dollars and some change. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's almost a two hundred thousand dollars. It's almost a two hundred thousand dollars ship. Um, he made himself her captain in December eighteen. 
1868, registered her with the Collector of Customs in New York as an American vessel under the new name Mary Celeste. Mm -hmm. So in October 1869, the ship was seized by... (laughs) Haynes creditors. Oh no. <laughs> um, and sold to the a New York consortium headed by James H. Winchester. Uh, during the next three years, the composition of this consortium changed several times. Uh, although Winchester retained at least a half share throughout, no record of the Mary Celeste trading activities during this time have been found. Okay. So basically she's just kind of chilling. Mm-hmm. Um, early in 1872, the ship underwent a major refit costing $10,000 mm-hmm. then, um, which enlarged her considerably. So her length was increased to 103 feet. Okay, that's only four feet. That's only four feet. Her, uh, her, her width uh-huh. was increased to 25, and her depth was increased to 16 feet. So, among the structural changes, a second deck was added, and an inspector's report refers to the extensions as the poop deck. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, put the waist at the bottom so it just goes out. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Um, So, anyway, uh, on October 29th, 1872, the, like, little deal with the boat, Mm-hmm. was made up of Winchester with six shares and two minor investors with one share apiece, with the remaining four of 12 shares held by the ship's new captain. These people's names, Benjamin Spooner Briggs, mm-hmm. was the new captain. So Captain Briggs and crew, Benjamin Briggs, okay, hold on. So a little bit about the crew, because this, this is the important part. Uh, okay, okay? Gotcha. Uh-huh. we're going to talk crew now. So Captain Briggs was born in Wareham, Massachusetts on April 24th, 1835, one of five sons of, like, a sea captain. Mm -hmm. All but one of the sons went to sea, two becoming captains. Benjamin was a Christian who read the Bible regularly and often bore witness to his faith at prayer meetings. So, like, this dude was hella religious, and he's also a sailor. So he's hella, um, what's it called? Superstitious. Oh, yeah. In 1862, he married his cousin... Nice. Mm-hmm. Sarah. And enjoyed the Mediterranean it's honeymoon. His sister. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> I have been subjecting Sierra to watching Shit's Creek with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty great. We've been quoting it back and forth like we quote New Girl back and forth to each other. <laughs> Because when when we watched the last episode and you're like, oh, they painted this eye. And I was like, okay, cool. Because I never saw the, the yeah. first one. So yeah. I didn't realize like it was a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Um, so anyway, they honeymooned in the Mediterranean, you know, mm-hmm. wish. Okay. Uh, two children were born. They had a son and a daughter. By the time of the daughter's birth, Briggs had achieved a high standing within his profession. Nevertheless, he considered retiring from the sea to go into business with his seafaring brother, Oliver, who had also grown, like, tired of, you know, the sea life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's hard fucking work. Yeah. It's like being a trucker. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but instead, each invested his savings in the share of the ship. Mm. So, in October 1872, Benjamin took command of the Mary Celeste and for her, excuse me, for her first voyage following the extensive New York refit, which was to take her to Genoa, Italy. 
He arranged for his wife and infant daughter to accompany him while his school-aged son was left at home with his grandmother. Oh, that's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Briggs chose the crew for his voyage with care. His first mate was a man named Albert G. Richardson, was married to a niece of Winchester, and had sailed under Briggs before. Second mate was Andrew Gilling, age 25, and was born in New York and was of Danish extraction. The steward, newly married Edward William Head, was signed on with personal recommendation from Winchester. Wow. Uh-huh. So the four general seamen were all Germans from the Frisian, Frisian? Frisian Islands. Uh-huh. Their brothers Volkert and Boz. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as Arian and Goltalib. No idea how to say these people's names. Nice. Um, a later testimonial described them as a, quote, peaceable and first-class sailors. All right, then. Keep that in mind for when we get to the theories, okay? <laughs> um, in a letter to his mother shortly before the voyage, Briggs declared himself eminently satisfied with the ship and crew. Sarah informed her mother that the crew appeared to be quite capable, quote, if they continue as they have begun. So, everything right, seemed... Kosher. Kosher. On October 20th, 1872, Briggs arrived at Pier 50 on the East River in New York City to supervise the loading of the ship's cargo, 1,700 barrels of denatured alcohol. Okay. Um, His wife and baby joined him a week later. On Sunday, November 3rd, Briggs wrote to his mother to say that he intended to leave on Tuesday, adding that our vessel, quote, our vessel is in beautiful trim and I hope we shall have a fine passage. Mm Mm-hmm. On Tuesday morning, November 5th, Mm -hmm. Mary Celeste left Pier 50 with Briggs, his wife and daughter, and seven crew members and had moved into the New York Harbor. The weather was uncertain, and Briggs decided to wait for better conditions. So he anchored the ship just off Staten Island, where Sarah used the delay to send her final letter letter to her mother-in-law. Quote, tell Arthur, she wrote, I make great dependence on the letters I shall get from him and will try to remember anything that happens on the voyage, which he is, will be pleased to hear. That's a, her son, right? And that's her son, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, the weather eased two days later and Mary Celeste left the harbor and entered the Atlantic. Okay, so this, is, this, this part is pretty cool. So while the Mary Celeste prepared to sail, there was a Canadian ship, the De Gracia was also setting sail. Mm-hmm. It was in Hoboken, New Jersey, awaiting like a cargo of petroleum destined for Genoa. So the exact yeah. same mm-hmm. place. So the captain of that ship was Captain David Morehouse and um, his first mate, Oliver DeVoe, were both Nova Scotians, both highly experienced and respected seamen. So like, it's said that Captain Morehouse and Captain Briggs were friends, but there's, like, no concrete mm-hmm. evidence of such. But, like, some accounts assert that they were close friends who dined together on the evening before Mary Celeste's departure. But, again. No, not for sure. Not for sure. So, Morehouse, this was also, like, told by Morehouse's widow 50 years after the event. Mm. So, <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. So, the De Gracia departed from... Hoboken on November 15th, following the same general route, just eight days behind the Mary Mm -hmm. Celeste. Okay. So the, excuse me, the, uh, De Gracia had reached the position of 38 degrees. Is it 38 degrees, 20 
minutes? 20 minutes. Okay. 38 degrees, 20 minutes north by 17 degrees, 15 minutes west. Midway between the Azores and the coast of uh, Portugal. Okay. Uh, at about 1 p.m. on Wednesday, December 4th, 1872. Land time. And Captain Morehouse came on deck with the helmsman reported like a vessel about six miles in distance away from them, mm-hmm. heading like unsteadily towards their ship. Oh. Um, the ship's erratic movements and the odd set of her sails led Morehouse, which is the captain of mm-hmm. De Gracio, uh, to su- su- la, la, la. Sus- how do you say it? Suspect. Suspect that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. As the vessel drew close, he could see nobody on deck. He received no reply to his signals, so he sent De Vaux, which is first mate, mm-hmm. and second mate John Wright in a ship, in one of the ships, like, like little boats. The, yeah, like uh, boat things. Yeah, to investigate. The pair established that this was the Mary Celeste by the name on her stern. They then climbed aboard and found the ship deserted. The sails were partly set in a poor condition, some missing altogether, and um, much of the rigging was damaged with ropes hanging loosely over the side. The main hatch was covered. The main hatch cover was secure, but the fore and the lazarette hatches were open. The ship's single lifeboat was a small yawl that had apparently been stowed across the main hatch, but it was missing. While the binnacle housing, the ship's compass had shifted its place and the glass cover was broken. Oh, no. Yeah. So there was about three and a half feet of water in the hold, mm-hmm. a significant but not alarming amount for the ship of its size. A makeshift sounding rod, which is like a device used for measuring the amount of water in the hold, was found abandoned on the deck. Um, They found the ship's daily log in the mate's cabin, and its final entry was dated 8 a.m. on November 25th, nine days earlier. It recorded the Mary Celeste's position as 30 degrees and... What is it again? Minutes. Okay, 30 degrees and one minute north, 25 degrees and one minute west off of um, Santa Maria Island which is like 400 nautical miles mm-hmm. from the point where the they found it they found it mm-hmm. so devos saw that the cabin's interiors were wet and untidy from the water that had entered through the doorways and squirrel uh, skylights not squirrel lights oh i don't think there's a thing as squirrel squirrel lights <laughs> when i was little i could not say the word squirrel mm-hmm. and there's this park that we would go to that's called squirrel park Oh, my God, it would have the hardest time. <laughs> um, but we're otherwise in, like, recent, like reasonable conditions. Yeah. He found personal items. Items. God. Oh, wow. He found personal items scattered around Briggs's cabin, including a sheath sword under the bed. But most of the ship's papers were missing, along with the captain's navigational instruments. Mm-hmm. Uh, galley equipment was neatly stowed away and there was no food prepared or un- under preparation. Mm. Uh, but there were ample provisions in the like storage. Yeah. There were no obvious signs of fire or violence. The evidence indicated an orderly departure from the ship by means of the missing lifeboat. Mm-hmm. DeVoe returned to report these findings to Morehouse, who decided to bring the derelict into uh, the Gilbertar, Gilbertar, 600 nautical miles away. Under maritime law, a salver could expect a substantial share of the combined value of the rescued vessel and cargo. So, Mm -hmm. uh, the exact award depending on the degree of danger inherent in the salvaging. Okay. So, like, the more dangerous the salvage, Mm -hmm. the more money you get. 
Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Right. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. So Morehouse divided the De Gracious crew of eight between the two vessels, mm-hmm. sending DeVoe and the two experienced salmon, seamen to Mary Celeste. The weather was relatively calm for most of the way, but each ship was seriously undercrewed and progress was slow. Right. I mean, there's three people on one. And, like, everything is messed up. Yeah. Like, as far as the sails and everything. Yeah. So, um, so he should have sent four people to the other one and kept three on his. Yeah. So, they reached Gilbachar on December 12th. Mary Celeste had encountered fog and had arrived the following morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was immediately impounded by the Vice Admiralty Court to prepare for salvage hearings. So, like, okay, serious shit. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it was, like, this much of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, DeVoe wrote to his wife that the ordeal of bringing the ship in was such that, quote, I can hardly tell what I am made of, but I do not care so long as I got it in safe. I shall be well paid for the Mary Celeste, so that's what we know for sure. I mean, okay. He was, in fact, very well paid for the ship. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> he retired afterwards. Wow. Yeah. All right, so... On to the theories of this ghost ship. So, first we have a mutiny. Okay. So, initial checks of the ship found strange marks that may have been caused by an axe. Okay. Uh, Along with traces of what seemed like blood, the attorney general leading the inquiry fixated on the idea that the members of the crew had gotten violently drunk on the ship's cargo of alcohol. Mm. Not that far-fetched. And then massacred everyone else on board. Yeah. Okay. Before departing on the ship's sole lifeboat. Except it was later revealed that the blood stains weren't blood stains. Mm-hmm. The marks were due to natural wear and tear, and the alcohol was industrial grade stuff that wasn't fit for drinking. Okay. Plus, why on earth would the homicidal sailors then depart the ship to face certain doom in a small lifeboat? Right. Yes. And why wasn't there more blood? Like, yeah. even, like... Like, some sort of body part has to be left behind. If you're killing people with axes... Anyway. All just right. saying. Just saying, Sierra. Okay, so, next one. All right. A criminal conspiracy. Okay. A rogues gallery of, quote, suspects have been implicated in the case of the Mary Celeste over the years. Could North African pirates have attacked the ship and killed the crew? Perhaps, but the ship hadn't been looted. Mm-hmm. How about the crew of the De Gracia, the ship which actually discovered it, mm-hmm. you know? Remember, you remember, you were here. Yeah. Um, perhaps they had really attacked them? Could be. I mean, we only have his account. Uh, yeah. So. And then pretended to have found her adrift so they could gain money for the salvage because they did mm-hmm. gain a shit ton of money for the salvage. And even more outlandish is the idea that it was an inside job. With Captain Briggs and his family faking their deaths to claim the salvage money through a coke conspirator. Mm. So. I mean, but they just started. Why would they? Yeah. Like. But he was thinking about retiring. But still, he could have just sold her. True. I okay. Mean, Are you ready for my theory? Okay, I'm ready. all right (laughs) 
It's always aliens. Okay. All right. So there's no getting away from it. Obviously. Okay. You guys wouldn't listen to this podcast if there was. <laughs> um, many people still have the sneaking suspicion that aliens suddenly turned up and whisked away the crew. Honestly, makes sense. Okay. Aliens did it. This is probably partly down to the idea many people have of the Mary Celeste being eerily pristine condition. Mm -hmm. With the last log entry written shortly before it was discovered and half-eaten food in, like, the mate's quarters. Not, like, in the dining quarters, in the mate's quarters. Oh, okay. Um, So, the ship itself was disheveled and waterlogged and thoroughly wet mass, Mm -hmm. as we know. So it wasn't like nothing happened. Yeah. There's also a small matter of the missing lifeboat, which is a sign that the crew deliberately abandoned ship. Mm-hmm. However, what if it was like some bitches got abducted and then some bitches were like, these bitches are getting abducted. I'm getting in this fucking lifeboat and get mm-hmm. the hell out of here. Also could have just lost the lifeboat. Honestly. Like if, if it was like a storm situation and that's why it got waterlogged, you could have just lost the lifeboat. Yeah. If all the, like, other ropes were, like, messed up, yeah, that one could have gone bad, too. Yeah. And then they lost that. Yes. So. Okay. Number four. Number four is theory. Okay. Mm-hmm. Natural disaster. Okay. Could the sea itself have been behind the mystery? One of the possibilities is that the Mary Celeste fell foul of a water spout, which is basically a tornado at sea. Okay. Um, or perhaps a sudden violent sea quake, mm-hmm. which sea quakes freak me the fuck out. Did you know that? Did you know I'm terrified mm-hmm. of sea quakes, even though we live nowhere near the sea? Mm-hmm. No. I am terrified of them. Um, I don't know why. I don't know what, like, caused them. Probably because the sea is not supposed to be fucking quaking. Um, yeah, but there's tectonic plates down there. But, like, it's the sea. Do you know what's in the sea? Everything. Everything. Like, what if, like, one of those tectonic plates, like, decides I'm going to fuck shit up today and then releases some sort of, like, dinosaur and, like, kills us all? That's, like, that's one of the reasons that climate change freaks me out so bad because, like, the ice, (laughs) the glacier's melting. Like, what if there's a disease in there? I shouldn't have watched ice. Uh, I should not have watched X-Files because that, like, just, like, made my fear so much worse. You remember the episode because <laughs> yeah. you were in here watching it with me. I was. And when it, like, melts in mm-hmm. the ice and they get infected by this stuff and mm-hmm. then they go on a murdering rampage, people. Mm-hmm. Basically, climate change is real and we all need to uh, make sure the planet doesn't melt so we don't all die of a really prehistoric virus. And I'm doing really great today. My muscle health is in great shape today, guys. Okay, back to sea quakes. <laughs> I'm fine. Okay, let me tell let me let me just let me just tell a funny story at the moment. Okay. Because I just thought of it. So yesterday, guys, mm-hmm. I asked Sierra. <laughs> I'm glad that this one's about me. <laughs> All right. I asked Sierra to pick me up some AAA batteries <laughs> <laughs> and cotton swabs. <laughs> I got swabs of cotton. She came home. <laughs> I was like, here you go. <laughs> All proud of herself for going to the store for me on her way home from work. Uh, she pulls it out of the bag and I was like, why do you have cotton balls? Because <laughs> that's what you needed. <laughs> I was like, I needed cotton swabs. She goes, no. I'm like, I know what I needed. 
god. I mean, I had about 400 cotton swabs. Yeah, you so. go, I have cotton swabs? <laughs> I don't know, maybe subconsciously I was like, there's no way she could actually need cotton swabs since I have a, a billion of them. Well, like, I have my, I had my own box. Yeah. So, like, I ran out because mm-hmm. I used them for, like, makeup and stuff. Yeah. And um, I also used cotton balls for, like, removing my nail polish. But I specifically needed cotton swabs. And I texted you that. I, like, I even went back and looked at the message later mm-hmm. on, guys, to make sure that I hadn't actually texted her cotton balls. Because that is something that I have done. Um, but, no, it said cotton swabs. And all apparently Sierra read was cotton. And was <laughs> like, I'm going to bring this bitch some cotton. <laughs> <laughs> Now she has a lot more cotton than she needed. Now I have a lot of cotton. (laughs) Oh, God, it was so funny. Um, Anyway, back to natural disasters. I just needed to stop thinking about viruses for a moment. Okay, anyway. So, Orper, no. Either way, um, no. Either of which may have caused superficial damage and some waterlogging, Mm -hmm. perhaps making the crew think the ship was about to sink, leading them to make the fatal mistake of clamoring onto the lifeboat. Mm -hmm. So, lastly. None of them were officially heard of again, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Lastly, we have an alcohol explosion. So, perhaps the most convincing theory, not to me. Okay. I solely believe aliens. Gotcha. Because it's always aliens. Okay. Um, <laughs> have you met me? <laughs> um, so perhaps the most convincing theory relates to the ship's cargo of industrial alcohol, whether due to turbulence or porous barrels, uh, noxious alcoholic fumes may have escaped, either causing a small explosion or making the crew think an explosion, explosion was imminent. Mm-hmm. Briggs may have given the order to temporarily abandon ship with everyone piling into the lifeboat to sail behind the Mary Celeste until danger had passed. The rope attaching the boat to the ship may have like come undone, mm-hmm. then leaving them to bob uselessly as the empty Mary Celeste sailed away, abandoning them to awful who knows what life at sea. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think aliens because hi my name's Emily. <laughs> Walk in the paranorm. Um, I mean, it's gotta be, like, something. Like, because since nobody was found. Yeah. Like, it's not, I mean, it couldn't, I was thinking, at first I was thinking, um, the brothers or whatever, mm-hmm. like, overthrew the captain and maybe, you know. Yeah. But, the, but if nobody was found, then, yeah, you know. Um, I feel like in order to th- overthrow a ship, there has to be more. Because, like, Captain Briggs ain't fucking helping your ass after you overthrow him. And if you kill him, that's one less person you have to help you, like, like maneuver this giant-ass ship. Yeah. Because we already would, heard yeah. that it's almost impossible to do it with three people. Yeah. And then, like, would they murder the wife and daughter and what happened to them? Oh, most definitely. If they overthrew it, they would kill them. Because, um, like, it's more mouths to feed. Yeah, but they have plenty of food. Yeah, true. True, so true. True, true. Like... I don't know. I'm sticking with mine. Hmm. Aliens. But yeah, that's my case for this week. Mm-hmm. So did the so did they take it apart or like did they like how does yeah, that salvage? They, take, they took it apart and sold it. Cause like they're like, fuck this shit. <laughs> this ship is fucking cursed. Right. If, yeah. 
first it is basically abandoned as a wreck, and yeah. then... No, first it's first captain dies. Oh, yeah. That's true. On the first voyage. Like, what does somebody do to get their ship cursed? You die on your first voyage. <laughs> yeah, but, like, is part of the curse him dying? Yes. Or him dying starts the curse? Part of the curse is him dying. I think. I would assume. I'm not 100% sure. Who knows? The boat was cursed. Aliens killed everyone. Not necessarily killed them. Maybe they are living in a spaceship, uh, spaceship Okay. instead of a water ship. Uh, like, over 200 years later? Well, maybe not now, but, like, mm-hmm. at the time. Okay, yeah, yep, yep. Who knows? Who knows? That's true. Maybe he pilot. I don't know, maybe they have, like, different extended life things that they do. They could still be alive. <laughs> I like how you're joining in on my alien theory. I mean... Aliens! You can't say... You can't prove that it wasn't. Exactly. All right. Plug the things because I have to use the restroom. (laughs) I've had a bunch to drink this morning. I have to pee so bad. All right. Well, anyways, follow us on Instagram and find us on Facebook. Can they follow us on Facebook? I have no idea how the Facebook works. Like us on Facebook? Literally, all I do with our Facebook is press post to Facebook as well on Instagram. So I think you have to, I don't know, whatever it is, just just do it. Just fucking do it. <laughs> um, if you'd like to contest, contact us, obviously you can do that through, through social media, or you can send us an email, paranormalpodcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, paranormalpodcast.com. There's a little contact us place on there. There's um, also resources for you. As we have talked about this episode, mental health is important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we take don't care have of yourself. Please, for the love of God, take care of yourself. Um, I joke about my mental health being a lot right now, but it actually is. But thankfully, I have a good support system around me. Um, and uh, yeah, so take care of your mental health, guys. Do it. Yeah. You won't get it back. No. All right. We also have a Patreon, Paranormal mm-hmm. Podcast. Uh, if you want to get some cool extras, Sierra and I have thought of some fun ideas. So those are coming. Um, yeah. I feel like that's everything. Have yeah. a great week, guys. Okay. Bye. Bye.